The Bible reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Please open your words and uh, read along with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Good morning. Add my welcome to everybody else's. Sometimes you find yourself in weird places, as I did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I found myself standing in a really odd place to be standing. It was on top of my coffee table. You see, 20 years ago were the Sydney Olympics. And yes, thank you. During that time, uh, I saw something that may mean nothing to you, but blew my mind in an epoch-making way when the German cycling team rode what's called the four-kilometre pursuit on the track in under four minutes. Now, people have talked about the four-minute mile before. For me, and in the mind of most competitive cyclists, nobody rides four kilometres from a standing start in under four minutes, but on that day, they did. And I leapt into the air in my lounge room and landed on the coffee table, which is weird. But here's the thing. In breaking the world record and winning the gold medal that night, the Germans did what uh, Roger Bannister had done so long ago with the four-minute mile. They opened the door and everyone started walking through. Now four minutes, or three minutes and 59, won't even get you a look-in at a national title, let alone the Olympic Games. Now everybody does that. It's like four-minute miles. Now people do that because someone showed them it's possible. You might be like, please don't drag me into the athletic arena. Let me drag you to Jamboree Recreation Park. And as you're there standing at the rock, you think, I can't jump off that thing. And someone steps up, maybe a friend steps up, maybe one of your kids steps up, and as they leap off and go splash, something changes and you think, 
Well, if they did, maybe me. It's amazing how our belief to move forward can be affected when someone goes first, when someone gives you a demo. This is how Hebrews chapter 12 starts. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. If you were here last week, you may remember we read through this hall of fame of heroes of faith. If you've never checked out chapter 11, check it out. There's, all, there's names and there's unnamed heroes of faith. As this passage opens up with verse 1, you read those words I just shared with you. There's a great cloud of witnesses. Now, what are they there for? If you're silly like I often am, you hear witness and you think, ooh, they're watching me, they're judging me. Because the kind of image that's built here is that you're like this faith runner. The original audience are like these faith runners and they've come into the stadium. And the crowd, the grandstand is filled with all these people watching. Now, don't misunderstand the language of witness. They're witnesses in that, yes, they are watching you, but don't feel the weight of judgment. Don't feel like, oh my gosh. The best runners in the world are in the stands and they're watching me and they're like, oh my goodness, that man runs like a baby giraffe. That's not what's happening. They're witnesses in the sense that they are testifiers. Rather than simple spectators, they're more like a cheer squad. They're there screaming at you as they see you fatigued, as they see you tiring. They're going, you've got this. They're all calling out, I remember my run. Man, it's hard, but I did it and you can do it too. The passage starts with an immediate encouragement that says, since there is a stadium full of people who broke their four-minute mile, who did their four-minute team's pursuit, realize this really hard thing that you thought impossible, it can be done. And they're all screaming out that it can be done by you. So run, don't stop, because the cheer squad who have been there, they believe you've got this. And so the door is opened. We're in a series in Hebrews. We speak about how we must go on. This was the message for the original audience, and it's the message for us today, to persevere in faith regardless of what lies ahead. This passage has great athletic overtones, which doesn't bother me at all. And what it says is, the four-minute mile's being broken. Faith journeys can be completed, even if you're sawn in two. Even if it costs you everything, you can make it. So run. The author to the Hebrews who brings God's message to them and to us, says, observe the great crowd of witnesses, they believe in you. Now let me give you some coaching. I've shown you that it can be done. Let me help you with some how-to. Here's what our coach does for us. He's going to give us two tips and he's going to give us a model to follow. Two coaching tips and a model to observe. The first tip to run this race and finish is go light. Don't carry the baggage. Verse 1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What is this sin 
that hinders? What is this sin that kind of gets up around our ankles, binds us up and slows us down? Now, I suspect if we were to gather in small groups and talk about this together, you could list, oh, this thing trips me up, this thing trips me up. I just got to get that monkey off my back, this thing. But we're not talking about just the symptomatic sins. We're talking about sin, a condition of humanity that seems to slow us down, tangle up our ankles and causes us to fall. I suspect what's going on in the original context and today, this idea of what is the sin that entangles, I'm going to call it me culture. It's where I'm at the centre. And you might say, yes, I've seen it. Oh, you see it everywhere, don't you? All these people with their me culture. Careful. You've just stepped into me culture. You just put yourself at the centre of the universe and as the moral compass of everybody else. But it's okay to observe so long as you'll observe it in yourself as well and I'll observe it in myself. Me culture kind of puts me at the middle and I become lord of all things in my life. I become the strength of all things in my life. I become the comforter and the most important thing for all things in my life. I become lord of my life, saviour of my life and my faith is placed in me. Me culture was once described in another way by the great evangelist Billy Graham. When he was asked, Billy, what's the most significant sin? His response, unbelief. A lack of trust in God to be Lord, in God to be saviour, in God to be comforter, but instead a trust in me, me culture. I sit at the middle. Now here's the problem with me culture. We are awful lords of ourselves. We're very precious with ourselves and apply enormous amounts of pressure and it slows us down, it trips us up and we're told here, throw off everything that's going to slow you down, that's going to trip you up. Now trackies feel great. I, I love trackies but even on the coldest of mornings nobody starts a marathon wearing trackies. You ought to take those bad boys off into your little shorty shorts, feel the nip of the cold morning air, and get running. The trackies are comfortable, but they're not going to help. Me culture, me at the centre is comfortable, it's not going to help. I'm wrestling in my brain. I watch a lot of kids, well, not as much as I should, but I watch a bit of kids' soccer. And uh, let this be a community service announcement. uh, Soccer parents, you need to stop living your dreams for your children. You see people on the sideline losing their minds. I want to walk up and down the the sideline just handing out leaflets for the masters, like sports clubs. You know, you could compete for yourself. You know, you could do it yourself. You don't need your kid to do it for you. Um, You see the little faces of the kids? The immense pressure with those parents screaming, riding on their back, you've got to be better. You've got to succeed. I think sometimes me culture is like living life with you as your own soccer parent on your own back, weighing you down and slowing you down, and you need to satisfy all the demands of you because you're at the centre. I think the first thing that Hebrews is teaching us, if we're going to run this race well, we've got to get over ourselves and get into God. The sin is unbelief and entangles and ensnares. It slows you down. It's a comfort that's not helping. The next thing that our coach teaches us is first go light. The next thing is go long. Go for the long haul. Verse 1 again says, And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. We've got to run 
the whole way and we've got to run the right way. Go long and go on your track. I once heard an amazing illustration that came from the scriptures of what it looks like to lose track. Let me take you to 1 Samuel chapter 18 verses 5 to 9. I'll read it for you. Whatever mission Saul, he was the king, sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased... I'm depending on the screen, so I just need to go on to the next one. Thanks, Bill. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the... Philistine, the women came out and from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. How spectacular, but listen to this bit. With joyful songs and timbrels and lyres and they dance and this is what they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. God had a race for Saul to run, and he had a race for David to run. Saul's race was a perfectly good race, God ordained for him. And David's race was a perfectly good race that God had ordained for him. Saul's faith journey and his perseverance and his run was significantly undermined the day he took his eyes off his journey and decided he should be running David's journey. The sub-tip to going long is to run in the right direction, is to run your race and not someone else's race. You take care of your lane and don't worry about their lane. But here's the next bit, because this passage pushes us to a harder point than that. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, and let you run with perseverance the race marked out for you. It says, let us. Ooh, it just got more complicated. It's a team event. And let us, let us run with perseverance the, the race marked out for us. The story stands. Look at the right lane, but understand we're going to run this together. We're going to run this as a team. And so we have to ask ourselves in the same way, what is set before God's people? Sometimes we will get mighty confused and we will compromise and our race will be undermined and our race won't go the whole journey. When we get confused between what God has set before his people to run and what he might have set before broader society, they are not the same race. They run to different destinations. They will run in different ways and do not become confused. Do not get your eyes in someone else's race. God has a race for his people and it may be quite different. Here's the next bit. Here's the team element. We run together. One of the coolest things I learned when I studied at Moore College, college has its own little kind of philosophies. And one of them was they told us in first year, because some people turn up at college really smart and some people turn up at college less so. And they said, smarties and less so's, listen to this. You're not here to make sure that you get a super high distinction. 
The way we work it around here is we consider if one fails, you all failed. So maybe take some of the high distinction cream and offer some help to some of the other guys. And other guys, get over yourself, ask for help. We run this race together. One fails, we all fail. Hey, look, one of the challenges today, I'm going to go to an awkward spot, is it's fair to say there have been some mistakes, better language, there's some significant sin in the history of our Christian family. It's true. As a church and as individuals, there are things that we have done that have damaged society at times. I'm a leader of a church and I cannot step back from that. I can't say, oh yeah, yeah, that was the bad ministers that did that one time. We run as a team. Their faults, their offences are my offences. So there are reasons why we put certain legislation in place. There's reasons why we limit ourselves in the things that we can do. Because we acknowledge we run together. Mistakes and offences done before, I must own them too. You've got to own them too. Our team did that. Our family did that. Sure. We win with Will, William Wilberforce. Yes, that's our family. We helped with the slavery or the anti-slavery movement. But we also messed some stuff up. We've got to own them both. We've got to own them both. And so we run together the race set before us. We're going to go light and we're going to go long. The Africans like to say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go long, go together. So we're going to hear Hebrews chapter 10 and we're not going to give up on the habit of meeting with one another in whatever context that takes shape in. But we're going to make sure we stay together in this race because that's what God's instructed us and coached us to do for our good. So we get two tips, go light, go long. And if you're not sure what that looks like, our coach says, and here's a model for you, verses two to three. Fixing our eyes, there's this runner who did it really well at going light and going long. His name's Jesus. He's the son of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer that is the beginner, bang, out of the blocks, Jesus. And the perfecter, that means the completer through the finish line. Jesus is the pioneer, the beginner and the ender of faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Don't be confused. Sometimes people confuse this. This isn't saying Jesus thought, suffocate to death, naked on a cross while everyone teases me. Awesome. The joy set before him comes after the cross. The joy set before him is he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, received a kingdom that is above all kingdoms, authority over all authority, a name above all names is called Lord of Lords. But on the way to the finish line, on the way to the joy set before him, it got tough. For the joy set before him, he endured. This is the language of perseverance. He went long. He endured the cross. Scorning its shame. What does that mean? The cross is not just designed to kill you. It's designed to embarrass and shame you in your final hour. Shame, scare and warn anyone who shares your thoughts. But what does Jesus do? He scorned its shame. That is, he disregarded the shame. What has he done? He's thrown any me culture off his back. My shame is not important right now. What's important is run the race set before me, Jesus says. 
Man, this is a tough gig because I'm suffocating to death and even on the way here, there are sinners who are abusing me. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. But he keeps going. There's your model. The one who sits in glory went through some stuff to get there. He did it by going lights. He threw off the me. And he did it by running the, set, the race set before him and would not allow anyone to allow him to deviate. So the door's been opened. We have a great, great cloud of witnesses. The four-minute mile's been done. Our coaches said, go lights, go long. Do it like Jesus. And so the next thing that our coach does to help us is he gives us a form check. So he looks at these guys and he looks at us and he says, let's put you under the microscope and see what your run looks like. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. This can be quite shocking because the way you think you're moving and stuff and then someone puts a video on you and you're like, I never realized that I was doing that. My form is horrible. Sometimes you get pleasant surprises. He does a form check. Verse 4 is one of the most challenging verses I've read in some time. I've got to share it with you this morning. He says to these guys, In your struggle against sin, in your struggle to put yourself first, now remember what's happening in the context of Hebrews. These guys are under oppression and persecution for their faith. There are Judaizers and others who want to harm them, cause them to backslide, cause them to pull out, cause them to stop doing the things that Christians do. He doesn't say, in your struggle against sin, oh yeah man, it's tough, take a break. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Shorthand for that, you ain't dead so you ain't done. Keep going. I don't know if you, if you understand this, but in athletics, if you're exercising really hard and you feel like you're going to vomit, that doesn't mean stop. That just means don't get vomit on someone else. That means get a bucket, get it out, keep going. The vomit means nothing. It just means you're heading in the right direction. You're in the pain locker and that's a good thing. That's where improvement comes. That's kind of what our coach is saying about our faith journey. In your struggle, original audience, there's still blood in your body and there's still oxygen in your lungs. There's no retreat, there's no surrender. You must keep going. Run the race set before you like Jesus. And my goodness, if this doesn't speak to us. Maybe you're a leader in the Christian community. I, 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 I am one of them. And then there's times where you just think this race is hard. I think I'm saying things that are true. I think I'm working to my capacity. And sometimes people don't get you. Sometimes people say things that aren't true about you. Sometimes mistakes and politics get in the way. And maybe you're a leader and you just say, I'm, I'm done with this. If this is part of my run, it's too hard. It's breaking me. I don't want this anymore. And as you run and think that, you're going to look to the side. And in the grandstand, 
you're going to see one of the heroes of faith. He was sworn into. His name's John the Baptist. He looks at you and he says, I get it, bro. Things were going well, but there was some politics that got in the way. But you've got this. Keep running. Keep going. Maybe you're in a season. It might be now because of COVID. It might be your church life where you say, I just feel so disconnected from church. I'm, I'm hearing that a bit. You feel disconnected. You're like, this is part of the faith journey. It's just too hard to do. You look up in the stands. And you see one of the named heroes. You see a guy called Joseph. He's like, yeah, I felt disconnected too when my brothers beat me and threw me in a pit. I felt disconnected when they sold me as a slave and I went to another country. There wasn't a person around me who believed in our God. I felt real disconnected. But you know what? I kept going. You've got this. And Joseph, because he loves you, calls out a little deeper and he says, you'll only be as disconnected as you choose to be. Own it. Press in. Make it happen. Because the run matters to you. And you've got this. No one can do it for you. Keep running along and you come to another stage of life. I know everyone will understand this. Man, it's got hard with kids. They're little and it's hard to get them to sleep at night. And oh, this, that and the other and whatever. And you think maybe we just got to take a break from this run for a while. And you look to the side and there's a, a guy with a big long beard and a staff. His name's Moses. And he goes, oh, yes, I remember the kid days. I remember when my wife's a poor, I had to circumcise the kids on the road just to get the job done. Oh, I remember the nursing mums as we came through the Red Sea, as we came through the desert all those times. I get it, it's tough. But Moses says, but you've got this. We finish and you'll finish. And Moses says, you know what? Just like sometimes you've got to get you off your back. Get the kid off your back. The kid's not God. God's God. Don't do me culture. Don't do kid culture. It'll be all right if they get sad sometimes. Run the race set before you. You've got this. You keep running and you run, come around a bend and you're like, oh. But I'm alone. There's no one of my demographic in the group. They're all white. They're all male. None of them think the way I think. It's not even my original language. This is just how am I supposed to do this? How am I meant to connect with the people who are not like me? And you see two fun looking ladies sitting up in the stand. Their names are Ruth and Rahab. Ruth's from Moab. She's a Moabite and... Rahab's a Canaanite. And they're fun girls and they call out, you got this, girlfriend! I say, we were strangers among a strange people. We were with a God who drew near. We made it. It was weird, it was hard, you can too. They got a mate sitting behind them 
Turns out he's an Ethiopian eunuch. He says, I got there. You get there too. You stumble for a second, you go, but you don't know my backstory. No one would ever accept me with the things in my past. I don't even accept me with the things in my past. Rahab says we should talk sometime. They will. I made it. You can make it too. Run. You're getting tired. You think you see some professionals run by. Wow. They do this all the time. You think, why am I getting dragged so deep into the people of God? I'm just a volunteer. And you slow down. I'm just a volunteer. And Abraham, man in the stand, calls out, so was I. You got this. Come on, keep running. You can do it. Tears come down your face. This journey is so hard. I've lost family over this. I've lost fortune over this. I know I'm losing. I'm not going everywhere I could. And you see, in the stands up there, there's a guy called Job. And he says, I know. I was broken too. One step at a time. One step at a time. Keep running. Go. You're like, okay, but this is breaking me emotionally. The journey with God is grinding me into powder. I feel so humbled by this. I feel like a crazy person. No one even gets me anymore. And there's a strange face you see up ahead, clearly a different nationality to the rest. And his name, you're surprised to see him in the sense, is Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, I nearly lost my mind. But now I too praise the God of Israel. You can get there. Mate, if I can get there, I went, I was like an animal. Submit yourself to God, drop the me culture, and run, says the ancient king. Run. Hebrews offers us a significant form check on how we are running. In the most significant race we will ever run, the race of faith. And it says, if you're not dead, then you're not done. Keep going. You can do this. And it goes on in verses 5-11 to say, don't get confused about what this struggle is. This struggle's not here to harm you. Let me read for you. You have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. You think random bad stuff's happening to you. You forgot God, your dad, and he's in control. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as not a sucky thing that happens, even if it is a kind of sucky thing that happens. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Neglected children. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us 
and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Let us clear up some confusion about hardship as the scriptures encourage us to do. Hard is not bad. Hard is hard. So bitterly hard. But that doesn't make it bad. Resist the satanic lie that says whatever doesn't kill you makes you weaker. The satanic lie that says under me culture, it's meant to go good for you, right? No, it's meant to go long for you. And that will mean enduring hardship. Just this morning I remembered Acts 5 where the apostles are are persecuted and they're whipped, like whipped. And following the whipping, they praised God that they were counted worthy to suffer for his glory. They knew that hard was hard, but it wasn't bad. Remember, hard does not mean God hates you. According to Hebrews chapter 12, hard means God loves you. God's an old school dad who subscribes to the old school wisdom that says prepare the child for the road rather than the road for the child. Our loving dad takes his legitimate children and disciplines them. Hard is what refines. And refining is necessary to find what is precious. And faith is precious. And hardship is where God refines our faith, written all throughout Scripture. Jesus himself said, not everyone who calls out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. There'll be a season of refining in a space where God who loves us disciplines us and brings about real faith. Discipline is for disciples. If you will forsake discipline, if you will seek to escape discipline, you may be seeking to escape discipleship. And so verse 11 tells us, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Painful, did you hear? The scriptures acknowledge what you're feeling. They're able to acknowledge the pain of discipline and yet still commend it to us because there's something more important. No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The great Arnold Schwarzenegger once said, you can have results or you can have excuses, but you can't have both. You can have results or excuses, but you can't have both. Verse 12 tells us. Therefore, because of these things, strengthen your feeble arms. I almost want to read that like Arnold, can I? Why don't I do it? Just for fun. It's been a heavy morning. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. The message is, don't look for easy. Look for strength and find it 
along with the will to go on by fixing your eyes on Jesus and running this race together. That is how we run the race set before us. You can do it. A great cloud of witnesses has shown us. And God, in his word this morning, has taught us how. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this word. Oh Lord, it's a hard word to sit under. We, we, we want to hear those other parts where someone just hugged me because it's hard. But Lord God, we're too precious to you for just a hug. Instead, you, our loving Father, discipline us. Lord God, you invest in us. Lord God, you shape us. Lord God, you are fitting us for heaven. Lord God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, let our eyes be fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. May we run like he ran. May we be so encouraged by that great cloud of witness that sit in the stadium and cheer us on. And Father God, we thank you for one another. Let us not neglect the support that is in one another. Let us be a people who press in and press on and press together that we might go long and run the race set before us. For Jesus' glory we pray. Amen.